Welcome to the Paddle Sports Lifestyle, where we invite you to dare to dream and embrace adventure. I'm your host, Kim Peek, and together with my friends, we'll help you discover new horizons and push the limits of what's possible. In season one, I'm gearing up for my biggest challenge yet, the MR340, a grueling 340-mile paddle race along the Missouri River. But before I embark on this epic journey, I'm going to need to learn everything about the world of paddling. Learn along with me so you can find your own epic adventure on the water. Welcome back to the Paddle Sports Lifestyle. We ended the last episode back at camp after one of our paddlers capsized in the Missouri River after dark. With our rescue mission complete and everyone safe, we went to bed knowing that we would not be up and ready to roll at 5 a.m. as previously discussed. Still, everyone was awake by 6.30 and we had the camp torn down and everything back into our Jeeps with our breakfast eaten by 8.30. We loaded up our kayak carts and pulled the boats down to the water and down the ramp. Our kayak carts came in very handy on this trip because the ramp was about a quarter mile away from where we camped, and that is a long way to carry a heavy kayak that is loaded up with gear. So we got our kayaks down by the water and started arranging everything we'd need for the day, and as we were about to get in the water, we saw a barge. Now, to be fair, the campsite at Glasgow is next to where one of the barges sits, and so it was working a little ways downriver, This one was on the same side of the river that our ramp was on. We already had boats lined up and pointed into the water as it approached. This was the first time I had actually seen a barge that was moving. As it went by, a swell of water came toward the shore, pushing the boats free. So we quickly grabbed all the boats because they were headed out down the river now, and we pulled them up the ramp as the wake continued to create more waves that moved toward the riverbank and moved toward the ramp. They were operating two barges that day to move sand between two points. So the minute the waves died down, we had to launch. Otherwise, there wasn't a lot of distance between these two places where they were working, and we would be stuck in the cycle of waiting for the barge all day. So the minute they died down, we hopped in our boats, and we launched. We knew we would encounter the barges again if we didn't hurry past this area where they were working. I took off fast and got away from the area the barges were working because as we have already discussed, I am very freaked out by the barges. So once I got past, I chilled and I waited for the others so that we could regroup and paddle together. I do not like the barges. They were, The waves were huge and I could see how in the 340, It could really eat up a lot of time if we had to constantly stop and get our boats to a safe area. So I'm really, really hoping that on race day, race week, that there is not a lot of barge traffic. We had paddled less than a half an hour when we faced our second challenge of the day. A huge pop-up storm came out of nowhere. There wasn't a lot of rain, but we had huge wind gusts with white caps on the water, and the wind was pushing us horizontally toward the wing dikes. These wing dikes also had a lot of downed trees and branches in them. And so this is another big fear of mine is after you watch all the safety videos and things, the idea of getting stuck in those branches on the side of the river just terrifies me. 
And so now here we are with the wind pushing us toward wing dikes that are full of trees. I paddled hard to steer clear of the wing dikes. I could just envision myself being slammed into one and getting caught in those branches. Fortunately, this wing dike looked like it had a good place to pull off the river. We followed Paul behind the wing dike and got everyone out of boats to wait out the storm. We still did not have cell service, so we couldn't look at the weather report. We didn't know how long this was going to last, what the radar looked like, nor could we text Jamie to tell him what was going on. And we were still 20 miles from the next ramp. Everyone settled in to wait it out. We had our snacks. We had tarps that we could pull out if the storm brought a lot of rain. We also had rain ponchos, but we didn't need this. This was really just a very, very strong windstorm. And so as we sat there, we shared tales of how we felt in the wind, and everyone mentioned that the wind gusts almost caused them to capsize. This wind was much worse than what we had at the shootout race, and I'm learning that there is always wind on the Missouri River, but the wind at the shootout was not typical, and the wind we had on Thursday was beyond windy. I would call it dangerous. I mean, that's just my opinion, but it would take a lot of energy to paddle 20 miles to the next ramp in that kind of wind. And I think at some point your body would just give out and you could find yourself in a really dangerous situation. So I was glad that we had a safe spot to pull off the water. And then occasionally Anne and I traded off finding the one bar of LTE cell service available. And we were able to get a few messages to Jamie so he knew why we were behind the wing dike. Because of our spot trackers, he was able to still see where we were and he knew that we were behind that wing dike. He just didn't know what the reasoning was. So we decided to stop at the next ramp to get a weather report from him and determine if we would even continue to paddle to the campground or just pull out of the water early that day. Because again, if we were going to have constant storms, that was just not a safe option. And I just don't think there's any point in putting yourself in those dangerous situations if you have options. So we waited about 45 minutes and the wind died down and we got back on the water and suddenly we had a gorgeous day for the rest of the day. So far on this trip, we learned that cell service on the Missouri is not great. We went a lot of time without cell service. We lost our cell service and it was spotty. Like we'd have maybe a few seconds of cell service and then it would disappear again. So we started putting the time on the messages so that our crew knew when we sent the messages so that people we texted would understand the timing if those messages got stuck and got sent later. As this applies to the MR340, I would suggest making sure that you have a rough plan with your ground crew for at least stopping in to check in at certain ramps so that you can get supplies. Because if you don't, have a plan to stop at certain ramps, and you don't have cell service, it could get very, very tricky to figure out how you're going to meet up with your ground crew. So even if this is not your plan and you're thinking that you're going to play it by ear a little bit more, to wing it a little bit more, I would suggest still having certain points throughout your day where you're going to meet your crew because you might not be able to communicate from the water. We appreciated that we had the spot and the ability to be tracked by satellite technology. I thought my tailwind prepared as recommended on the package was weak, and I would have made it stronger next time for more flavor. Same for the Perpetuum. And 
If you don't know the difference between those two, Tailwind has carbohydrates and is made with simple sugars and has electrolytes. And Perpetuum is more a mixture of protein, carbs, and a small amount of fats. So they serve different purposes. Although a lot of people think paddle leashes are dangerous because you can get tangled in them in an emergency, I still think it's smart to have a paddle leash at night because of what happened when Paul capsized. It would not be very fun to lose your $500 paddle and have it floating down the river because there wasn't anybody around to grab it. And we also decided that it's important to have a flashlight on your life vest or a headlamp on your body in the dark. It needs to be super accessible, not something you're going to grab out of a dry bag. You need to be able to have it so you can easily grab it and use it immediately. And this was so important when we needed to see. And it also would help, I think, to scan the water periodically at night to look for the buoys. They all have reflective pieces and it would be another way to avoid hitting them. Related to this, it might be a good idea to have reflective tape on both your boat and your paddle. And then as far as extra things that Jamie did for us, I also really appreciated ice cold drinks at our stops and at the end of the night. We also thought it might be nice to have our crew carry washcloths that had been kept in a cooler, so they were really cool. For either cooling off or for washing your face, just to get the sweat and the grime off of you and also to cool off and then maybe a small bite of real food before bed we don't plan to sleep full nights maybe four hours each night it's just really going to depend on how the day goes because as we saw on this trip there's you can have a plan but the plan isn't always going to work because something unexpected always happens In my ideal world, I would also have my USB fan with my ground crew that would make the night more comfortable. I have a nice little fan that can be pre-charged with a USB cord, and then it runs off of the charge that you've given it. And when we slept at the campsite, I had that fan blowing on my face all night, and it was amazing. And... Related to the wind and the rain, I also plan to carry a small tarp. I have one that fits, it's about the size of a cell phone, maybe when it's folded. It's a little bit thicker, and so it's nice and compact. It'll fit in my boat, and I have two uses for this. One, if it starts raining, you have a way to either cover yourself up or to make like a little canopy to keep everyone dry, and then also... If we end up needing to sleep on a weed-filled section of grass, we would have some sort of ground cover. And then I also really, really liked my inflatable pillow that I took on this camping trip. It also deflates and is very, very compact, so I could have a pillow when I sleep if we have to sleep just wherever it's convenient. So those are a few things we thought of as we we're ending that portion of our trip as we were just sitting there talking, waiting out the storm. Paul and his wife Veronica and Anne paddled at a pretty brisk pace after the windstorm. We still needed to make it to Franklin Island to check in with Jamie and then to, and then get to Cooper's Landing by sunset. I was very pleased with myself because my pace has improved a ton since April and even more since my lesson and the shootout race. I didn't seem to have much of a problem keeping up with Anne and Paul this time. And our pace, assuming we don't have any major safety issues to attend to, is well above the Reaper pace now. I did get separated from the group, though, 
David's shoulder was hurting, and I slowed down to keep him company. And I just feel really strongly about not leaving training partners behind on the river. So when I got a blip of cell service, I let Jamie know what was going on. I told him we had slowed down. And then later when we had cell service again, David called his wife so she could start the trip from Kansas City to Franklin Island to pick him up. Originally, Paul, David, and Veronica were also going to stay Thursday night and paddle again on Friday. So this was a surprise to David's wife when she learned that David was done earlier than she expected. But we all agreed that it was also better to be safe than sorry. This was just a training event, and it is not worth destroying your wrists or your shoulders over a training trip. It's better to pull off the water and rest your body so that you don't get injured and get knocked out of the race completely. We continued to Franklin Island, where Jamie had Subway sandwiches waiting for those who ordered them. People ate, refueled, stocked their water bottles, and chugged the cold water. After about a 30-minute break, we added our navigation lights and launched for the final leg of this trip. The evenings are quiet, much cooler, and they're just beautiful on the river. Ann and I paddled together, learning more about each other, sharing stories, and I was starting to get that crazy kind of tired where the dumbest things cracked me up, and I could not stop laughing, which also made it fun. We got to Cooper's Landing right at sunset, and we had a beautiful orange sunset. They had live music and food trucks, and it was just so festive. I wished we had planned to stay the night because I think it was a fun environment, and I can't wait to go back there sometime so that we can camp. I'm actually envisioning a biking and kayaking trip because the Katy Trail also goes right through that Cooper's Landing. But we were exhausted and we were tired and we knew that our beds at home were going to feel great. Cooper's Landing is near Columbia, so we had a two and a half hour drive back to Kansas City. We had to load the boats and we stopped for food. So I didn't get back to my house until close to 1.30 in the morning. This trip was incredible. It did so much to help us be prepared for the MR340, from helping me learn to paddle in the dark to realizing that if we remain calm, we can handle anything that arises. I got to face my fears of barges and face my fears of being slammed into the wing dikes. I realized that I'm a strong enough paddler now to navigate away from those wind dikes when the wind is really pushing me. So all of those were really, really good feelings. And we learned, I learned, that I can paddle 124 miles in two days and still feel pretty decent the morning of the third day. This trip did a lot to build my confidence. In the next episode, I'm going to go a bit deeper on the lessons learned. I'm still trying to find the right words, but paddling 30 miles, 50 miles, 100 miles, it gets boring. And in the boredom and in the pain, there are some lessons. We'll talk about that in the next episode. Until next time, wherever life takes you this season, make it an epic adventure. <laughs>